This episode of the Ryan Rosillo Podcast is brought to you, as always, by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs. Like a GM putting together their very own roster, you need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Today's plan for the podcast is a simple one. Uh, we're going to have Matt Leinert on talking college football all over the country, and then we'll do life advice at the end. And if you want game four NBA finals jonesing, I did an hour plus with Bill Simmons last night. So we'll link the Bill Simmons part to this one um, when it comes out, because I'm just, I don't want to be, for those of you that listen to both, I don't want to just do the same segments over and over again um, solo this time around. Although Bill losing his mind about the Lakers likely cashing in on their 17th championship is probably worth listening because as much as he tries, we just know. And he knows this because I said it to him. I go, you're having a very hard time right now because the Lakers are going to tie the Celtics. Um, and that's where we're at right now. That's that's uh... Kyle, have you noticed it? You've been sitting in on those. Oh, I know for years. Boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is right, but... He's a sports guy. He's Bill Simmons. It just comes with the territory. Right. I think he's kind of losing his mind a little bit, is my point. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a guy I've got to know since I moved out of here. Excited about it. Matt Liner, also part of the Fox Big Noon Kickoff Show. Uh, it's a great show. So, I want to talk about the show a little bit, but we'll uh, cover everything going on in the country right now. Okay. Perfect timing to talk some college football with uh, my guy, Matt Liner, legend, national <laughs> legend, more of a local legend now, though. Oh, so, God. Well, okay, and yeah. I even got the back to school sign behind me. That's how legendary I am at the house. <laughs> Jesus, that is good. Yeah, this is you transition right into <laughs> your your homeschooling after this. All right, there, I want to talk a bunch of college ball, and I want to start yeah. first with your conference here because you know, depending, I get to the point where I was reading stuff, and then I was like, "You just, you guys just let me know when you're kicking it off, and then I'm going <laughs> to stop reading this stuff because I couldn't read another Big Ten update. It was all over the place." And then the Pac-12, not surprisingly, follows the Big Ten, which then everybody right. followed everybody. So we have the dates now. We know that it's going to be November 7th when these games start. So what do you think about where the conference is at right now compared to what we thought was going to happen? Well, listen, I mean, I'm happy they're back. Uh, it was looking pretty bleak there for, you know, for a couple of weeks. And 
Um, you know, I just, you know, talking to people, you know, people at USC, other, other schools, just the state of California, the restrictions were so rigid for, for those football teams and even yeah. in Oregon too. And then you combine that with the wildfires, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people talking crap on social media and this and that, and, and obviously the PAC 12, the perception is what it is, but, um, they were really kind of handcuffed with what they could do. And people really didn't understand that. And I know, you know, talking to people that Governor Newsom's office wasn't had really no clue what was going either with with how even football practices can be can be ran with, you know, 11 on 11 and all that stuff. It was really kind of crazy to hear some of these stories. So um, all that being said, obviously, there was some push. Um, you know, I think USC players wrote a letter just say, hey, we want to play. So there was a little bit of pressure and push there like, hey, let's get this going. Um, so Obviously, the city, the the restrictions were lifted. I believe, um, I believe they started padded practice this week. So, so they just got into pads this week, and they have a game in four weeks. It's pretty crazy, but um, just happy that they're back, man. I mean, obviously, college football is better when all the conferences are playing. Um, and uh, uh, even though they're playing six plus one, seven total games, it's still, uh, still, they're still able to salvage the season, so to speak, and put themselves in contention, maybe for a playoff, maybe for some big bowl games. We'll just have to see how it plays out. The media vote came out for the Pac-12. Oregon got most of the first place votes, 21, but USC got 15. So what needs to happen with USC this year? Personally, I think USC is the best team in the conference. And, and I'm not just saying that. I, I believe with the pieces they have back. And the most important thing, Ryan, I think with, with this offseason is, you know, you look at kind of Clemson, you look at Bama, you look at just some of these teams that have the continuity, they have the quarterback. They had the system, they had the coaching, um, you know, those teams kind of, have, have, you know, started week one and hit the ground running and playing really good football. That's what USC has with Graham Harrell, the offense, Slovis, their whole defense is back. Todd Orlando, I think is, is an upgrade from what they've had. Um, I think that team is, is actually really poised to make a run here through the conference. Um, I think just staying healthy, they need to stay healthy defensively. Um, they open up with Arizona state, in my opinion, which is kind of a sleeper team. I think those are the two best teams in the South. Uh, and that's week one, which is crazy. So that'll be a big game. And then with Oregon, the thing about Oregon is they just lost so many guys and, you know, they've had a couple guys opt back in, which are huge defensively, but a lot of question marks there. So, um, I, I think, I think it's USC. I think it's Oregon. I think keep an eye on Arizona state. Um, and, and we'll see how that plays out as well. Yeah. The game limitations here because everybody's kind of keeping it in conference and because this was a little bit later uh, and and we know I don't want to rehash it all for how everybody's kind of doing their own thing but you know it's one thing that's perception I think some of the Pac-12 perceptions are fair I think some of them are completely unfair as an East Coast guy working in Bristol for a decade plus I'd have moments where I'm like that conference is the deepest top to bottom it may not have the chance I mean there's just been years that it's, right. it, to me is no question I'd love watching those games to be like the, the worst teams in the Pac-12 are so much better than other bad teams at other conferences. Um, but now, because you have this playoff void, which I don't think is a, I think it's a cyclical thing more than it's a long-term thing. I know that's hard to buy into, but when it's six games against SEC with 10 games with the Big Ten, I am open to any kind of combination we can have in the playoff, right. but it feels already like the Pac-12, whether it's perception or now the scheduling, it's going to be a lot of ground to have to make up. It's yeah, it's a challenge. And I would just say this. First of all, you know, USC, Arizona State kicks off at 9 a.m. Pacific. Think about that. That's the first time ever they follow our big noon kickoff show. And the reason is, and, and, and you obviously being on the East Coast, you know, earlier in your career, 
think about like the Pac-12 after dark and all those games start, you don't get a chance to really watch the Pac-12. And um, now with that early kickoff, I mean, it's prime time on Fox. I mean, that's huge. That's huge for those teams, right? Especially USC and and trying to make a run here. But but to your point, the only thing I would say is is a couple things is is there's no guarantee clearly that any conference is going to get through their whole schedule. Uh, look at the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12's already had postponements. I mean, Houston, I mean, what, they had, I think, three or four weeks in a row where their game got postponed. Um, I, I think it's going to happen. And, and with the way the Big 10 and the Pac-12 are set up with the daily testing, that was the whole deal, um, they should be able to go through this schedule unscathed. That, that's the whole point of it. So, uh, you know, I think there's there's no guarantee the SEC gets through 10. Um, there's no guarantee the ACC gets through 10. And what's funny, and I'll say this too: the Big Twelve, because because <laughs> what's happening in the Big Twelve right now, obviously Oklahoma State's still undefeated. You know, with Oklahoma losing twice already, and and, te- and who knows who's going to come out of that conference? That's kind of opened the window for for some other teams. Maybe a Pac-12 champ, maybe you know a second place. Obviously, I think the chance of getting two SEC teams in are really high, but maybe a second place Big Ten, maybe a Notre Dame if Clemson wins it all. So so. You know, last week was big for other schools, especially the Pac-12. So I wouldn't rule them out. Obviously, it's uphill battle. But if SC or Oregon go 7-0, and they dominate their conference. Anytime you have an undefeated Power 5 conference, there's always an argument at the end of the season. Okay, I have two more Pac-12 things, and we're going to open it up to the rest of the country. But I'm sure it's incredibly annoying for you. I mean, hell, I get asked it, I'm, and I'm not you. I'm not a Heisman Trophy winner in his hometown where – Hey, what's wrong with SC? What's wrong with SC? And when I look at like Bama with Mac Jones and then John Mechie who steps in and you're just like, here we go again. (laughs) It reminds me of what SC was like when you were there. So what, what's the problem? Is it, is it that the school is spooked post Reggie? Like what, how is it that this factory can't get close to the consistent talent development that we had when you were there? Right. That's a great question. And uh, so obviously when we were there, you know, Pete was Pete. And again, it's really, I mean, they've, they spent so many years trying to replicate what Pete did and he just can't, you know, Pete was kind of the diamond in the rough. Even when he got hired, no one expected him to, I think he was like the fourth or fifth, yeah. uh, you know, in line to get that job. Um, the, the thing about us is in that era and we had coach Ogeron, we had Lane Kiffin, two of the best recruiters in the country at the time. And even still today, two of the best recruiters, and they they went all over the country, and they they were just relentless. And when you have great recruiters like that, you can you can steal Mike Williams from Plant, Florida. You can steal Keith Rivers, who's the number one linebacker. You can go into Texas and get some guys. Um, going to the South, I mean, Dwayne Jarrett, you know, my roommate and one of the best receivers at USC was from New Jersey. You know, and Brian Cushing from New Jersey. Those are all you know big time, big time players. And that was recruiting. And then you develop players. And, you know, I talked to Urban about this a lot, Urban Meyer. And, you know, when he, I think in those years, he was at Utah, then he got the Florida job in the mid 2000s. He was like, we didn't even go into California because we knew that was Pete Carroll. They didn't even try. And now all these teams, Clemson, you see Cristobal is, you see all Oregon. Like, remember the the, the post chip stuff was like, okay, that Oregon thing's over. It's worse now for California. Dude, Alabama, Alabama is going in and getting guys from modern day high school, who, which was my high school, which has never happened. That, that's kind of a USC factory. Alabama's coming in. Clemson's getting the Bosco quarterback last year. And the reason why is just they've see, it's kind of like, you know, you see a wounded duck, you go for the kill. Like they're going for the kill. 
you know, Clay Helton, the staff, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to keep, you know, those big time players home. And it starts with their home bed. I mean, it, it, we, we did, um, God, we did some graphics last week with Texas and kind of the state of Texas. You think of Texas, you think, holy, you know, like that's some of the best high school football in America. Texas is a top five program as far as branding and just the history and all that. And you should see, and they have recruiting numbers, but you should see a lot of those guys are just, they leave man. they go and they want to, they want to, they want to be developed. They want to win championships and they want to go to the NFL. So if you look at USC, are they winning championships? No. Are they being developed properly? You know, yes and no. And are they sending guys to the NFL? Not very many. And look, we could point to coaching. You can point to anything you want, but they just got to do a better job of keeping these guys close to home, developing them. And a lot of that has just been obviously with Clay Helton, who I'm close with, I, I respect. I think he's a good football coach. The uncertainty every single year with, with if he's going to be there or not. I mean, it just, you know, if I'm a recruit, it's really hard to say, hey, I want to go to USC. I, I have no idea what's going to happen there. So there's a lot, man. There's a lot that's going on. Um, you know, I, obviously they have talent. I mean, God, you look at some of these players, they're really talented. They're talented roster. They just haven't been able to take that next step. Okay, final Pac-12 thing here. Um, what do you think of the job Larry Scott's done? <laughs> Should that should that be my should that be my answer? Um, you know, I think I I left it open ended. That's a vet. That's a vet question right there. Yeah, that's a vet question. Uh, you're trying to get me in trouble, man. No. Um, listen, I, I think obviously, I think he's he's could have done a better job in handling all this. Um, I know Larry. I, I think he's a good guy. Um, but there's been there's been perception problems from this conference for a long time, and. Um, I think the fact that you're going to see some of these earlier kickoffs this year, I think it's a testament to him and understanding, Hey, what, what we have to do to get the PAC 12 front and center. Um, but you know, I think, look, I think it's a difficult job. I think this whole year has been really challenging. Um, and, uh, you know, I think disappointing at times. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, I think, I think anyone could do their job better. I'm surprised it isn't a bigger deal nationally, though, when you dig into the finances of it. And I know like there's two specific writers that have been on. Well, this that, wasn't good time. That, was, that wasn't good timing. You can't take that, a two point five yeah. million dollar bonus and furlough the entire department and move the yeah. bonus up. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to pull it off, because I'm going to do more on this because I've been looking at all this stuff and I'm like, this is actually the part where the Pac-12 has been better off being under the radar, because if an SEC right. commissioner were doing what Larry Scott were doing it would be a bigger deal. It really would Well, be. I just, I mean, but you just, and that's, look at Greg Sankey. I mean, just like. Well, Sankey like, makes be, like a third of what Larry makes. And it's not even that, but it's like the professionalism, how he runs that conference, how he, how he stands for his conference and how he's handled the whole, the whole COVID thing. It's like, he's just been, he's just been like, it's like, that's why the SEC is the best, man. I mean, like that guy is, that guy's, he's a beast. He's great at that. He understands he's, he puts the teams of players. He's all for football and doing anything possible and all that. And I just think it's been sort of the opposite out here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like I said earlier, like Pac-12 is back. Um, they got the daily testing, which I think is big. There's been a little, I think, excuse me, more, you know, obviously more restrictions out here than in the South, clearly. So that's kind of – but, yeah, I think – No, it's a big the, part the of opti- it. The optics, right. the optics of what he's done obviously don't paint, uh, paint a good picture. Okay, let's talk the rest of the country here. SEC East. 
We know Tennessee's on a roll schedule-wise. It's not the most impressive stuff, but I think the way they, they're pushing people around with that O-line, like it's that O-line first and those two running backs. Do you know who they beat? Do you know who they've beaten in their eight games? Their eight I do. Win streak? It's, it's not that impressive. I just looked it up. Why? Do we need to go over it again? Because they got housed by no. anybody good last year. They lost. They lost. And and again, I'm not. I I, I listen when Tennessee like Tennessee is one of those programs where like I love I love the uniforms. I'm like when Tennessee's good, it's like it's just like it's like Florida State. When Florida State's good, college football is better. Tennessee, like I'm I'm happy for them. They're playing good football. But as you said last year, they lost to Florida, Georgia. We'll do it. And Bama. I'll do it right now. I just pulled it yeah, up. They just, lost to Florida 34-3. They lost to Georgia 43-14. They lost to Bama 35-13. And then they went on a run. South Carolina, who I swear doesn't beat anybody good, uh, 41-21. They had that Georgia win a couple years ago. Uh, UAB 30-7. Kentucky 17-13. Missouri 24-20. Vanderbilt 28-10. Indiana 23-21. And then the two wins this year, Missouri and South Carolina. So, look, it's still eight in a row, but I think when right, people right. start going, like, look out, look out. I had no problem with them jumping up the polls because I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with the rankings right now. <laughs> but I'm just – I'm leaving it out there kind of like an SEC East – recap for you absolutely like like and i'm i'm high on them i just they're kind of like miami to me miami plays clemson like is miami back like we'll we'll find even if they lose a close game to clemson i'd be like all right like miami looks good but until then um you know i just i I can't i can't say miami is back and we had that conversation for tennessee um they they look they started they're starting to look the part again you know they're getting the big guys they've been recruiting well I think they're, you know, Ty Chandler, their running back, leads the conference and rushing through two weeks. Um, they're taking care of the football. As you said, the offense line, they just look, they're just. Those guys look, look like real. Kind of, yeah. yeah, they look real. Like, they, yeah, they look real. The whole SEC looks real, man. I swear <laughs> when you watch them, I, me and Coach Meyer talk about time, like, they just look different. And I'm like, Coach, that's how we used to look, man, back in the day. Um, but yeah, that East, like, that East is like Florida and Georgia obviously are legit Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee looks the part. So it's, I mean, it's Tennessee's going to beat somebody this year. They're, they're going to upset somebody in my opinion. So. Yeah. Cause you know, Georgia has the bounce back once they get to, um, it was a Stetson, the quarterback. So you're like, all right, you know, like these look like good numbers. I'm not a Bo Nix guy. I really haven't been, you know, even when he made that throw against Oregon, I went, eh, like it worked, <laughs> but people, I almost felt like, and because he's a freshman and the whole yeah. it's a great story, but it's not getting built up. But I feel like if you watch a lot of Bo Nix, you go, eh, so I'm not sure about that and what any of those things mean. I think the Florida offense is probably the scariest of any of the six units. I mean, maybe it's that George D line, but what have you seen from trash? Cause I even sent out a tweet like Tony there. Are, it, it's not Jeff Demps. Cause honestly, peak Jeff Demps was like, unlike very right. few, you just haven't seen a lot of guys like college Jeff Demps. But with Pitts and Trask and some of the weapons, it's starting to feel like, hey, that's that's what it looked like when Urban was there. Well, yeah, and and gosh, like Trask, like he's just he's playing out of this world. And and you know, you I watched a lot of film on him last year. You know, when he came in for Franks, and he just played well. It's like, okay, this kid, he was a good player. Like he didn't turn the football over. He was really good with situational football, third down, red zone, and those you know the numbers kind of backed that up, and the wins backed it up. And this year he's. You know, because he's not like he's not mobile. Um, I, I think he's got a good arm, not a great arm by any means, but like he's toughish, toughish shit. I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, yes, but he's absolutely. tough as shit. Um, he's a big dude and he's competitive. And you put that around with Dan Mullen, who's a great offense of mine, and Kyle Pitts. Like, like we like they have they have so much speed and weapons with all their skill players. We, they always do, really. 
But Kyle Pitts, like when you watch him play, and I got to be honest with you, like I, I mean, last year I knew who he was, but this year I was like, uh, the first first week he had four touchdowns. I'm like, Pitts, like, and then you watch the film, like this dude is just an absolute mismatch nightmare. And when you can do that with your tight end, really slash receiver. Um, you know, it's just, it creates so many mismatches against the defense. And then you, you combine that with obviously the skill and the speed they have all over the place. And they have a quarterback who's distributing the football. He's, he's, he's been really good. Um, I, th- I mean, I, I would, I, I would put Florida ahead of Georgia right now, just because I think Florida's defense, obviously through two weeks, hasn't been as, as probably as advertised. They've given up quite a few points. Um, but with that offense, and I still think Florida defensively is pretty good. I'd probably give them the edge over Georgia right now, but boy, that's going to be a great matchup, man. That offense versus Georgia's defense. You got Stetson Bennett, who I sat up on my show last week and said, there's no chance in hell he could lead this team to through this conference. And he came out and balled against Auburn. Like he's, he's a good little player, man. So, uh, but yeah, Trask, Pitts, um, and company, man, but watch out for them. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock, Hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Okay, Bama. They're just a they're just a machine, right. man. It's yeah. Hey, look, and they're not even. I mean, there's there's some thoughts too. Like they they're not even running the football as well as you'd expect them to at some point, especially with that offensive line. Um, but you know, I loved watching them even in blowouts last year because I loved watching those receivers. And oh God, Judy man. has moments, <laughs> and Ruggs has his moments. And then Waddle gets the ball, and you're like, is Waddle the best one? And then Devonte Smith, who I mentioned earlier this week, like he never got any of the love because all the other guys are like locked first rounders. Right. And Smith is open all the time. He's just, he's almost like, it kind of reminds me of like Duvernay a little bit, but not as fast. Uh, and Duvernay was just kind of an odd, like he just looks different and his body looked different when you watch him in person. And then he had that return the other night in the NFL. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't really, it was, he yeah. was like a high four, Track. three guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know what to say other than it's, it's to be expected. But it's almost like pencil them in. Like I don't, it's, it's I don't like, know what to do with their them their that. offense. Yeah, their offense. It's like it's kind of like the Chiefs, right? Like obviously Jones isn't Mahomes, but when you have so much speed and so many weapons, and then you have Najee Harris, who might be the best back in America, it's like, you know, how do you stop the Chiefs? You can't. You got too many guys: Hill, Hardman, Kelsey, Edwards, Alaire, and then you have a, one of the best quarterbacks to do it. 
with Bama, it's like, there's so, I mean, I'm talking like elite speed, like elite, elite speed all on the receiving core. And then you put in Najee Harris and then maybe the best offensive line in America. They just, they don't skip a beat, man. And, and I want to give um, just a shout out to Mac Jones. Like he's come in, think about this. Like he, he shadows Tua, you know, who might be, you know, is one of the best to ever play at Alabama, maybe the best. And then Bryce Young comes in for modern day, the number one recruit in America. Um, who's who's a big time player? Who by the way, I player. I know the numbers weren't great against Missouri, but he's got some stuff to him. Just Bryce watching Young? some of those, yeah, Bryce, like where, oh, where yeah. he jumps out at you immediately, and then you're like, oh, okay, he was the number one recruit, makes sense. He's he's gonna be good, man. Like he Dude. he's he's gonna be really good. Um, so like Mac Jones, it's like every like all the the, the deck is stacked against you. You know, like it's kind of like here here's the keys to the Ferrari, dude. Just like you better just stay straight and just run this race, or else you know and and like he's just come out slinging it, man. And like Sarkeesian, they're attacking downfield. They're just there hasn't been a drop off. Like he's not Tua. He's not going to run around and make those kind of plays that Tua made. But he throws the ball as well as Tua. I mean, as far as what they're asking to do, accuracy down the football field. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, and you know, I, t- I talk to Sarkeesian often, and he says just he's tough as hell, man. Like he's a competitor, and um, I- I'm happy for him. Like I, you know, obviously being a quarterback and just understanding, like you know, when you work and your hard work pays off. Like it's paying off for him, and and the guy is is you know you can make a case Bama might be the best team in the country right now, and I just I don't I don't you know when I, obviously the SEC West like I, they're gonna they're gonna go through that you know Florida Georgia obviously those are good matches, but like you right. said like you can almost pencil Bama in like I just don't see them getting beat. Real quick side note: you don't have to add anything to this, but when Mon got benched, and I don't think Mon got benched necessarily because he was terrible. I'm just you know, Kellen Mond, like a Bo Nix, like there's a there's a lower ceiling maybe for me with them because I've just watched right. him enough. But when your boy Hayes King got in there, uh, Haynes King, the freshman from Longview, he just started shocking. Like he had no, f- he was throwing to guys that were NFL open. I mean, I know he only had three passes, like the first two attempts. I'm like, okay, this guy's not afraid. And then he had a pick late, and he's like, oh, what the hell? Like, right, the guy was open. I just. I'm just telling America right now, and Haynes King gets into a game, expect it to be. Uh, know, I think. Yeah, I think the thing with Kellamon too is is like, you know, it's he just hasn't played well, and it's. I thought coming into this season, he had an opportunity. I mean, I mean, again, every year at Texas A&M, hey, they're the team. This is the year. Um, you know, they recruited well on paper. There, I think they had almost everyone back. I think they, a couple guys might have opted out, but they had almost everyone back, and. You know, I, you know, watch that for uh, week one against Vanderbilt and just like they're just they had no flow offensively. And I just was a little I think where Kellen Mon is his best, like they got to run him. Like, he's got to run the football, get outside the pocket. He's not a drop back guy. And so to your point, just, you know, I just I, I haven't you know, I, I haven't I'd say like been a little disappointed with him and, and maybe it's other things as well. But I just thought he would be better earlier in the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's. Listen, man, when you don't play, bring in the bring in the gunslingers, dude. <laughs> did you see the end of that? You, I did it's not, not worth. I did, I, it's not I worth going back. But I'm just telling you, there's going to be a Saturday where he gets in a game weeks from now, and you're going to go, oh yeah. Like, it's like it's like CJ Beathard coming in, dude, just going 14 to 15, just slinging the rock last week. But you'll see young kids come in that go, all right, I'm totally freaked out, hand off, flat, flat, and he was like, we got a chance to get back in this. <laughs> <laughs> he awesome. was he was oblivious to the scoreboard. Okay, let's stay in Texas then, because look, I like Tom Herman. 
I, I have a hard time believing he's a bad head coach. Um, right. And it's not like they're winning four games a year. But now this program in Austin's lost to TCU six or seven times. They're not all on Herman. Um, but Duggan, by the way, being back and healthy for a yeah. game, I think changes. He's a TCU. good player, man. He's a very good player. So that that's not weird, uh, you know, because of TCU and the expectations. But when Duggan's back there, you're like, you know what? They're, they're not going to be a bad team this year. But when I look at what Ellinger has done, um, Ellinger, without him, I don't know who Texas is, except maybe a, right. a, a much worse team. So give me your Texas assessment now. You know, it's, it's uh, gosh, talk about like you, you look at the talent and you look at the way they've rec- they actually recruited really well. I mean, they're in the top like 10, 15, five, like every, almost every year, like last four or five years. So they've recruited players. Um, they're just, listen, they're not developing players and, and kind of a more broad, like bigger picture Texas and, and Ellinger. I, I like Ellinger. I think he's a really good college football player. Um, you know, there's some plays that show up on tape where he's sometimes he's not seeing everything, but you know, at the end of the day in college, he can get away with some of that stuff. And, and he's just, you know, he's, he's a competitive as hell. So we did, we did this graphic last week and, and you may have seen it or, or heard like all of the Texas quarterbacks that, uh, all the, the great quarterbacks from Texas that passed on Texas to go other were like, you know, the Baker Mayfields, RG three, a uh, history, Andrew Luck, um, Matt Stafford. I mean, go back like the last 10 years, like they've missed on everybody. Now, granted, they've got, you know, they had a couple, Shane Bouchelle was a big, they've had some also big recruits that they've gotten. And so we did this graphic and like a deep dive. How about this? I don't know if you know this. They've had a new offensive play caller almost every single year in the last decade. They've had a new play caller every single year. You can go, um, you know, Norvell, you can go at major Applewhite, you can go all of these guys. And my point I'm making is they just have had on the coaching staff, the reason why Texas is in the way is, is where they're at is there's just no continuity in the coaching staff. Remember Charlie Strong here, like all, all these coaches, they just fire their guys and they're trying to save it's their job. It's nuts. They, what happens to coordinators is so stupid because it's oh like, oh my gosh, like, like it's, it's, think all the D coordinators that we loved and we loved the hire and then it doesn't go that way. And then all the boosters are like, well, we get him out of here. And this is basically well, what happens, right? It, yeah. And basically, I mean, basically when a head coach knows kind of like, you know, the seat's getting hot, that the first thing they're going to do is fire their coordinators, obviously to make a change. Um, but, but the point is, man, it's like, it's like, there just hasn't been any continuity on a staff. And I mean, think about how important it is. Like, you know, I think that's why you respect, like you respect Saban, you respect Dabo, like Clemson staff, like think about that. Venables could have been probably gone somewhere. And I don't think he wants to, honestly. I don't. The guy, the yeah. guy's making a couple million dollars yeah. a year. Why would you want to? But I'm just saying, like the the, you know, when you have success, coaches are going to leave to get a head coaching job. That's going to happen. But they haven't had that, and they haven't had that continuity. So all these quarterbacks are just. And Sam has been the best quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy since 2009. And um, so so flipping it to kind of this year, and then I want to talk about the defense real quick and what the problem is. Um and. They haven't had a defensive player drafted, I think, in the first two rounds since 2015. That's Texas football, right? I mean, think about that. You think Texas, I think it's Malcolm Brown. It was a DB in 2015. DBU. They aren't put, yeah, they aren't putting any guys in the NFL on that side of the ball. And that side of the ball has been pretty bad over the last couple of years. Um, so it's it's a lot. And and all of that is it's is is coach developing players because they're recruiting guys. I mean, they're recruiting four or five star guys. 
Um, and then can you keep your staff together? And they're just not doing that, man. And that's, it's, it's disappointing because I want Texas to be good. I mean, it's great for the big 12. It's great for the country. And that's the problem. And, and you know, now, obviously when you look at their football team, I mean, last, like you said, Max Duggan and TCU, they're sneaky good. They're, they're a good football team. But when you're Texas and this is kind of, this feels like it's their window with Oklahoma kind of going through a transition right now, this is like their opportunity. And, you know, I mean, they might blow it. Obviously there's a lot of football left. They only have one loss. They could run the table and, and listen, a 10 and one or 11 and one Texas team may get into a college football playoff because of who they are. But um, this is the opportunity. And, and Sam's a senior, like he's a really good player. This is their chance. And I mean, who knows? And obviously the big game this weekend. So, but it's been disappointing, man. It's just a lot of, a lot of coaching turnover and, and lack of development over there. I want to hit on the ACC uh, because I, I don't think we should rule out, especially with Notre Dame's inclusion, there's a version of this where we could have two ACC teams in a playoff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't like writing off any of this stuff. I don't like assuming a ton of things. And to be fair to the ACC, just like Clemson, I think because it was a carryover of, of Lawrence and Etienne that I just went, okay, whatever, where Bama was some new pieces. And I'm like, okay, it looks just as dominant as before. But I know you touched on the Miami part of this a little bit before, but do you have any idea because the ACC gets started a little bit earlier do you have any feel on that other than just Clemson's going to roll through people again um well we'll find out we'll find out this week I mean I, I do believe is anyone picking Miami on the show you think no okay all right I just was trying to guess trying to see where we're I don't at. think so I, I think it's just more of a wait and see you know like okay like it's just you know I, I don't want to we don't we can't jump the gun I think I think Rhett Lashley's done wonders over there offensively. And De'Aaron King is the best quarterback they've had. I, I was even thinking about, like, I, I mean, is he the best quarterback since, like, I mean, who? Like, Corey Harris? Ken, Ken Dorsey? I mean, look, you can literally go back, like, the last, you know, Brock, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Think about that. I don't know. Um, and he's just, he's just a dynamic player. He's a stud, man. And he's obviously helped in the way they're playing offensively. They can definitely create some problems for Clemson this week. That's for sure. I, you know, I think, I think, you know, North Carolina was kind of the sexy pick and Mac Brown. I like them. They haven't really played great so far. I mean, they're undefeated, but they've kind of been sleeping. I can't tell if BC was terrible or BC's like got so some B fighting them. BC's got a, you know, Halfley. They got a new head coach. They got a good defense. Uh, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're, that was a weird game. Like yeah, for, for you game. to have big UNC hopes, that was not the game that you want to see where BC is a two point conversion away from tying it up. But I don't Absolutely. think BC is terrible. Is, is they're not point. terrible. No. Uh, look, I think UNC has the, they're not afraid of Clemson. I think last year, was it last year or the year before yeah. when they, I think they missed the two point or whatever they could have won. And they, so they, they, they'll play them tough. They have the speed. They have the quarterback, Mac Brown. I mean, I, I love Mac. Um, so North Carolina is there. I think Miami's got a shot, but we'll know more about them this week. You know, Virginia Tech has got a big game this week. They look pretty good so far, but it's 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 Clemson, and then there's just a pretty significant gap a significant gap of those teams trying to chase them. Okay, we're gonna do five questions. All right, it's time for five questions. In honor of uh, Craig Kilborn, I'm gonna do it with you here, Matt. <laughs> so I'm I'm ready to go. We do do a little quicker with these. All right, here we go. Number one. When Lane Kiffin comes to Manhattan Beach, does he hit you up? Oh, absolutely. He's even spent the night at my house. No kidding. <laughs> funny story. Funny story. Real quick. This uh, we're in quarantine, and uh, I, this was early, like April. And uh, he's in town, seeing the kids and stuff. And 
I don't know if you see Lane around town, but he's I do he's all a, the time. Oh yeah, he's 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 awesome. Anyway, he comes over uh with his his he's divorced with his ex-wife Layla, who they're really close. I'm close with both of them. Their daughter, Presley, and my son Cole are really close friends, same grade. Um, so really close to the whole family. They come over and ask to and and we talk about the gym all the time and working out. They use the gym in the garage, dude, like mid-April. They just come over. But Lane's on the elliptical. Uh, Layla's doing the Peloton in our garage, and we're just you know standing six feet apart. So yeah, every time he's in town, almost every time we talk to either get together or you know whatever, he's the best. I tell you, I got some sh- my Christmas morning routine now that I'm I'm here, which I think you West Coast guys and Christmas and the holidays, New England would would like it'd be it'd be witch trials for you guys out here like the coffee shops ice cream places are open bars are open christmas morning and people do breakfast and then i guess you guys just do christmas later like i couldn't believe my first christmas manhattan beach town is absolutely mobbed in the morning i'm thinking what the hell's going on so my routine because i know i got to watch a lot of basketball and like two years ago i went in and did sports center and then i think i may have done some live ringer show uh for last year but i go get shots up so I go down to the park and I get shots up in the morning. <laughs> Wait, what, it, par- what park? What park are you going to? Um, Live Oak or whatever. Oh, Live Oak, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would get shots up there. Now everything's closed. I did find a place to get some shots up though. Well, um, by the recently. way, just real quick, dude, I got a I got a court in my backyard, man, like a half court. Well, you don't seem to ever get the the humor online. Like when you were showing you and I think your your boy, you were getting shots oh. up, and then I tweeted at you. Must be nice to have an outside. Because, oh shit, you know, dude. Right. Just, so listen, I'm, man, you I'm got in. an open invite. <laughs> okay. All right. So I see this guy in the old Miss Blue with some kids running around playing with their toys <laughs> on Christmas morning. And I'm, I'm getting <laughs> some shots up. And I go, I think that's Lane. And I had met him, you know, but he he I was like, hey, you know, and he was just like, All right, yeah, yeah, gonna be a great season. <laughs> that was it. it was so dude, funny that I I actually couldn't wait to like share it with somebody because there wasn't really much to it, but he just sort of like oddly oblivious. Not that he was supposed to know who I was or anything, but he was just oh, like, oh, yeah, he knows yeah. who you. He knew who you were for sure. He's just know. the best, man. He's the best. Okay. Um, speaking of the gym, do you miss Equinox? I do. I miss. Uh, I miss the ambiance. <laughs> Don't you? I, I miss gotta, it. I, I like what I'm doing more than I thought I would with the home deal here. Right? I'm very happy with it. I didn't. I thought I was going to hate it. Um, I don't know. The that question I'm, is, will you go back? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I like to get out of the house. I mean, yeah, this is me ridiculous. Too. I'm in the house a little bit too much. Okay, is Urban going to coach again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say no. I think he's done. Do you want okay. me to elaborate or just want to say no? I, yeah, I, I'd I, love I, for you to elaborate. Um, I Here's my personal opinion, and I, I would be lying to say if I haven't talked to him about it since he took the TV job last year, um, but my sense is that he's done. I think he loves, and I, and I know this for a fact, he loves the family time. He loves the fact that his head is not exploding, you know, he's got the cyst. He's got, I mean, it's a real health issue for him. Um, and he, now he's getting paid, obviously not what he's getting paid, but he's getting paid to talk about TV, hang out. We got a great group, man. We have a lot of fun. Um, so I, I, I would say I'm not gonna be shocked if he ever went back, but I, I, my opinion is, I think he, I think he's done. Okay, I'll do the last one here. We don't always do five. That's that's the fun part. I'm oh, sorry, man. I'm long, long-winded. No, not at all. That's Sometimes I just decide to stop because this one has nothing to do with any of the other ones. 
Does Alan Bowman at Texas Tech have the worst look of any quarterback in college football? <laughs> and he's good. Okay. He's good. He's good. So I'm not, not, but he's dressed like a middle linebacker, like a Juco transfer. Like the untouched yeah, but look. But he's got this weird swag to him that's unlike any other quarterback. It's just a weird look. Dude, is he the. Is he, <laughs> I love how you said college football because immediately I'm going NFL. I'm going like Fitzpatrick every week just doesn't disappoint. You got Minshew in the stash. You got CJ Beathard out there looking like I don't like like Jason White. Like he's just I don't know where he's from. Um, Jason, White. Uh, Jason White. No, I come on, man. Get my Bowman some. Dude, I love Bowman. He can sling it. I'm not knocking his play at all, and he's a tough guy. But he he just if you saw him on the sideline, he just doesn't look like a quarterback. Yeah, You're you right. wouldn't yeah. go. Oh, that's that's yeah. the guy behind. Center. I could I could I could see that. I could see that. Okay, that's all. That's all we're doing here. Um, that's Matt Liner. I also want to remind everybody, you know, Matt with Reggie and Rob Stone and, of course, Urban Meyer, the crew is unbelievable. Uh, Brady Quinn, Brady, Brady Quinn. Quinn. The show is awesome, okay? And I know Thanks, the habits of everybody and, and years, but I'm just telling you, if you give Fox a chance and check out their Big Noon kickoff show, it's, I think, as good a pregame show there is in any sport. I really believe that. I'm not saying it because it just works. You guys found right. the chemistry. The way you've used Urban versus the way yeah. I've seen him used in the past, it's a completely different thing. So I think the people behind the scenes deserve credit for the way they developed it. And they found a combination that really works. And I think it's a great show. So I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think I just I think real quick with we're trying look, we're, we're competing, obviously, but we want to be the best we can be. And, and I think we have the unique you know, group up there. Like you have urban who's, you know, arguably the best coach of all time. And he's, and he's coming into his own on TV. You know, he's a little apprehensive last year, but yeah, but you could um, see and, him turning the corner last year. You, yeah. He, yeah, you can. And he does the playbook and he's so, he's so, he's just so smart. And, and God, I've learned so much from him just because my era of football and the offenses I played in are just so different than they are now. So I've, I've learned so much every single week. I learned something new from him. Um, and then, you know, with, with Reggie, who just Reggie's obvious, I, I think maybe one of the best college football players of all time. He's just his personality and, and his what he kind of brings to the show is just unique. And then I think with Brady and I just being quarterbacks and the history, I, I think it's just a, like you said, like it's we were our chemistry is great. We have a lot of fun, man. Um, we're trying to bring great content to the viewer but also have fun. I think Rob does a great job at quarterbacking the group and, and navigating through and, and yeah, just credit to the guys behind the scenes. They do a really good job. So uh, we're fired up, man. We're just want to keep growing and keep getting better. There you go. Uh, that show starts 10 a.m. Eastern time uh, for those checking it out around the country. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, buddy. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. If you want uh, to hit us up here for life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Kyle, people are wondering if um, the Long Island 
home wrecker was going to check back in, maybe be upset. <laughs> I hope so, it. man. But, I hope he's but, pissed uh, too. We did not. We did not receive any correspondence from him. That got real, man. Good, job. good, good on you, as they say. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, there was halfway through it. I was like, okay, this guy's twenty five, and a married woman started hooking up with him, and this stuff happens. But then it became about all of the things that he would benefit from without talking about any of the other stuff. If you're going to move in with a 39 year old woman that's divorcing her husband and has kids. And he was like, the house is sick, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just had, I had a hard time with that. Although I am, I always try to be, even as I get older, be uh, very sympathetic to the fact that when you're younger, you look, when you're older, I love how when it's like, Oh, young guys, they make mistakes. Old people make mistakes too. It's just, uh, they like telling you your mistakes are a bigger deal. So there you go. All right. Um, checking in here. Oh, this is uh this is a pretty basic one. I, I guess it's because it's a little different. It's kind of all right. Uh, James says, hey, Ryan, long time, first time advice I'm looking for is specific. And it's something you are the definitive subject matter expert on. Several years ago, I was walking into a meeting at a high end yacht club in Sarasota, Florida, uh, which my clients are members of. It was a mid afternoon meeting. So the club was almost completely empty, except for two guys sitting at the bar while I was walking past. I noticed that one of them was the co-host of my favorite ESPN radio show. Um, Mr. Ryan Rosillo. Okay. I'm not really into autographs, so I think it's a little creepy to ask people you don't know to take pictures with you, but I did not want to walk up and let you know I enjoyed your work and offer to buy you around. That's my move. I'm not better than anyone who wants the autograph or picture. My kink is to be able to tell my friends, yeah, I bought him a drink. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a weird sentence, but all right. There's just one issue. The person drinking with you was Jay Williams, not the murderer. Um, that's Jay from Duke co-worker long-time co-worker uh this is before he'd done anything of consequence in media so if i also wanted to acknowledge him i only had his playing career to go off of what am i supposed to say at this time of my life hey man i like watching you play sorry you can't do it anymore Ooh, that's kind of mean or as an indiana fan thanks for missing those free throws in the elite eight I actually picked indiana to make it to the final four that year um when when duke lost to them so uh, i'll never forget that game either james um, obviously I couldn't have said any of those things to you, but I'm invested enough in sports to recognize the co-host of radio show it would have been disingenuous to have acted like I didn't recognize the former national college player of the year in the second overall pick in the draft. What was my move? How should I have handled that situation and satisfied my need to have the interaction with you, but also not act like a jerk to Jay will. Well, you know, normal people, man could have come up and said hello to both. Trust <laughs> me on that arrangement. When I'm sitting with the athlete, I don't get upset when, 99 out of 100 times the person wants to talk to the athlete and not me uh you know so i don't think jay will would have cared i think this was a wedding years ago and by the way he had been working at espn at the time of this so it's not like he and i spend a ton of time at yacht clubs throughout the country or the southeast so i uh i think you should not overthink this so much a big overthink yeah this is not it's not that complicated <laughs> you come up and you say hello and if you offer by around, I, I think most guys would probably say no um, that are doing all right. It's usually kind of the move to say no. I'll say it yes. It also depends on what. Yeah, Kyle would say yes. I say yes every time. Right, right. It's so only been like six times. You, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's been six beers. Right. If you see if you see Kyle out, make, him, make sure he gets his seventh. All right. So there you go. So, yeah, I, I just, there's not a lot to that. Just in the future, if it is that scenario. You can say hi 
to both people and then you can focus the conversation on the person you want to and very few people you know look there's some complete egomaniacs out there but very few people are going to be that turned off by it i have never been upset when i mean all right i'll give you one because that's never is an is a lie we had uh dennis leary in studio so good and he was promoting something and it was it was early early svp Days. So I don't even call those SVP and Rosillo, even though it was. So we started that radio show in 09, July of we found out I was getting this co-host gig in May of 09. Um, because my friends were like, Man, you moved to Hartford on purpose. And I was like, Yeah. And then uh like things really started taking off. And I was like, Hartford's good luck. I don't know what to tell you, man. So <laughs> July 09 is when we started. So very soon after that, because we had this, it wasn't really even a studio, we had one of the side closets there. And I had, you know, been at ESPN, this is my fourth year, third or fourth year. And Dennis Leary came out to promo something and he walks right in. He's like, hey, look at this guy. Oh, you know what? Because he was on Mike and Mike and Dennis Leary started doing this thing where he's making fun of Van Pelt for being bald. He's like, his name should be Scott Bald Pelt or Scott Van Bald. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, you know, so he's just killing Van Pelt and he's just doing this routine. But then he has to come by and, and do the Van Pelt show with us. And he's kind of like, oh, and then they're going back and forth like famous people that both know the other guy's famous, but they're actually not friends whatsoever. If anybody listening ever becomes famous, you'll understand it where it's where it's you you pretend like you're long lost friends. But what you're really doing is like, hey, we're the only people in here that are actually, you know, and again, I don't really even include myself in that group. Certainly not with somebody like Scott or Dennis Leary uh, and especially not in 2009. So I don't want anyone <laughs> to take this as arrogance. It's just the reality of like I like asking celebrities sometimes to be like. Oh, that's my buddy. I'm like, are you actually friends though? Or did you see each other at like one award show and exchange numbers and you never ever have hung out ever? I'm like, yeah, it's more like that. Okay, cool. So um Leary and him kind of go back and forth. And then Leary, I'm invisible. Dennis Leary is not even acknowledging me. He's <laughs> nothing. Zero. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, and I've got my sick button down on. I get up and shake his hands, like, I live in Boston. Ooh. You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I think Leary always had makeup on, even when he wasn't on TV, which was weird. It was really weird. I saw him at a Bruins game. I'm like, I think he has eyeliner and some 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 highlights going on. I don't know what the hell's going on. So Van Pelt was asking about getting a, a gig on the uh, Fire TV show, Rescue Me. That's yeah. right, right? And Larry's like sizing him up and he's looking and he's going, yeah, I may have something for you. Yeah. yeah. And Larry had nothing for him and that went nowhere, but he was, he was playing the game a little bit. And then I am like, Hey, so do you think in, into the microphone and Larry looks at like, who the hell, what's this? This guy, the dogs. intern, <laughs> the interns talking, who turned this guy's mic on. And that was, it was pretty clear. And then he kind of was like giving me the business. And Van Pelt's looking at me going, oh, Priscilla's going to get so pissed off right now. And I was definitely that pissed off. And I don't, you know, remove from it. I mean, Dennis Leary's not supposed to know who I am. I doubt he even knows who I am now. So, but yes, there's one. I'll give you one. But it all removed from it makes sense. Like, it's not Dennis Leary's fault. He doesn't know who I am. And you could sit there and say, oh, it's great if everybody treats everyone the same. I don't know, because sometimes when you see somebody treating everybody the same, you're like, do you actually feel this way? Is this genuine? Or are you just doing it because you read about it in some book about meeting people? So uh, I spent way too long on that, but I'm just sharing that story with you. I think it's just 
think less about this stuff. If you want to go up and say hello, because as I say to anybody, if somebody goes, oh, I didn't want to bug you. It's never a bad thing to hear from people that like what you're doing. Um, but, you know, if somebody's with uh, somebody's on a date or something, fuck off. Just kidding. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, uh, one more here. Um, this is unbelievable. This is a good pick, Kyle. Longtime listener from back in the SVP Rosillo days, ECU sign guy is part of the reason I ended up going to ECU Go Pirates. For those that don't know ECU uh, sign guy, Ben Pelt and I were live from Fort Worth. We were live from Fort Worth quite a bit because the guy that runs Fort Worth is like this massive Disney stockholder. So every time ESPN had to do something in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would take over the downtown of Fort Worth. So I've spent many, many a night in Fort Worth, which is a pretty crazy stat if you think about it. I did not think in my 20s, be like, you know what place I'm going to probably stay a lot at? It's Fort Worth. So there was a guy because it was cold out. And I don't know, I think it was an all-day lineup. So it wasn't like a scheduled public appearance remote deal. And one guy showed up by himself with a white sign with purple letters spray painted on it that just said ECU. And it's one of Scott and I's favorite memories from the entire show. The fact that that sign was part of the reason you went there, though, that seems ridiculous. So I don't know. Already, we're off to a bad start. Okay. Um, 25 years old and working as a laborer for an asphalt paving company. Not exactly what I imagined I would be doing post-grad, but work is work. Previous to starting this job, I had left another job to move back to North Carolina from my hometown. Long story short, moving didn't work out. Family matters to attend to. Sorry to hear about that. Been there. Know what it feels like. So I needed some cash to pay the outrageous... Um, we're going to have to learn how to spell outrageous. <laughs> Pay the outrageous student loans I've acquired. And um, what started out as helping a friend seal coat driveways when his coworker quit turned into two seasons of seal coating driveways. Finding decent paying jobs in my degree field has been difficult given my long list of better paying labor jobs I've had to take to help pay for college rent food car. This has left me unable to get a job, uh, any job related to my communications degree. Okay. At least that's my excuse. Recently, my boss offered me a promotion to become the company's project manager estimator. I reluctantly accepted this offer and will be starting that position next season. So promotion, probably more pay. Um, while it's the best opportunity and best paying opportunity I've ever received post-grad, I'm starting to grow feelings of failure and coming up short in life. Okay. Uh, the amount of bills I have at such a young age seems to be the main roadblock for me taking a chance of pursuing a career tailored to my passions. My question is, uh, knowing your mid-20s, Knowing how your mid-20s went, at what point did you say enough is enough and took the leap uh, off the edge to go chase your dream career? What did you have to take into consideration before doing it? There's a gut check and pray it works out. Simply an insane work ethic and the willingness to struggle for years. A lot of people I've asked simply say, just do it, man, uh, without taking into consideration what it takes to provide for oneself. Uh, am I deep down afraid of the struggle or thinking about having to pay bills preventing me from having to take a chance? Okay. Uh, look, very similar so I think I've answered some of this kind of stuff before, but I guess we'll just do it here a little bit again. Um, you, you're going to have to, I, I remember one of the times like I didn't like advice that I got, but it was the right advice. And I was 
working in media a little bit, but the first few years I was in the media, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to work for a front office. I mean, that's really what I wanted to do way more than be on the air. And I would say, looking back on it, I still would have rather worked for front office than, than be on the air. Um, I did being on the air was not the thing I, like, I knew I wanted to do something special. And once the on air thing started happening, I was like, Hey, this is going to be a good career. If I can figure it out, I think I'm good at it. I'm getting some good feedback, but it's going to be a really, really hard struggle. I mean, this is just a tough, tough industry to break into. And the entry level job numbers are bad. They're just bad. I mean, there's less and less jobs, even though there's more outlets, it feels like there's less jobs, more kids graduating. You're, first of all, you're only 25. So why don't you give yourself this first thing and just take a deep freaking breath, okay? Take a deep breath. You're 25. This is not abnormal to feel this way. It's good that you feel this way. It's good that you're looking around you going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I mean, you don't want to have it consume you because, you know, that's the problem. That's what I did. But uh, the fact that you want something to be better is important. Okay. So that's the first part. And you're like, all right, well, this is cool. Like this is actually a step in the right direction. I'm, I have some self-awareness, not a great speller, but, uh, <laughs> you're, you're thinking about what the next thing is instead of just saying, oh no, you know, now I'm 35 and I haven't really put any thought into any of this stuff. And now I feel like, oh, I've wasted all these years. Okay. So let's, let's start by relaxing, um, being outside and working is something I did actually really like. Uh, the bartending part of it, even though it was kind of fun at first, it ended up, it just wasn't fun anymore for me. I felt, uh, I have no problem with anybody bartending, but it just wasn't what I felt like I was meant to do the rest of my life. And I also was looking at some of the you know older guys that were kind of doing it. And that was like really becoming the lifestyle. And I didn't want that. I, you know, I didn't want, like, it's cool to have a boat and everything, but I didn't want to be out drinking five nights a week either. Uh, somehow, some way, I don't know where the math comes into this, but day boat guy seems to go out a lot at night. Uh, so I know you're thinking about all these bills and I don't know the exact details of your finances here, but I really do believe that things find a way of, of, of figuring themselves out. And I know this is not specific advice, but it's true. So you already know you're going to be miserable if you pave driveways for the next 10 years. Like you're already feeling this way now. So the money can be good, but is this your career? Now, if this is your career and you like the driveway thing and there's room for growth, the next thing you know, you're running your own company in a few years because you lured the trade and now you're your own boss. You're not answering to anybody else and you're taking better vacations and you can buy the wife the car she wants and all those things. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I personally, that was not the goal or the standard that I had for myself, but there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing those things, but it, you're already hinting at like forward regret where you're going to start to feel bad for never taking the chance. So it sounds like other than the student loans, which yes, I know they suck. I think you could probably look into deferring some of this stuff. I did that. Um, you could also not pay it and have your credit get screwed up, which you definitely shouldn't do because it's going to last there for a really long time. Um, cause you're eventually gonna have to pay all this stuff off. I love all these credit companies that talk about fixing your credit score. And it's like, yeah, if you pay your fucking bills, that's, that's the game. So I would now, first of all, you get to find a landing spot. I don't know where that's happening. I mean, I, I'm having a hard time getting Sarudi a job right now. So random emailers that keep asking Kyle to get me, a, get them a job through me. It's just not happening. So I, I love just, um, this is, this is advice that's starting to suck, but I just, I, I love kind of getting past that first mental hurdle of coming up with all these reasons you shouldn't do it and just saying, fuck it, man. Like, look, it's not going to be the end of the world. 
maybe I'm going to get behind my bills here a little bit. I mean, I didn't care about any of that stuff. When you ask like, what things did I put in consideration? I put zero into consideration. I didn't think about any of it. I was like, whatever, packing up, leaving. What? Yeah, moving to Jersey. I mean, the joke is, as I'm writing my book, I had uh, my landlord saw me unpacking like the day before New Year's Eve. And he goes, hey, what the hell? Like, you're moving? I go, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> He's like, you're not going to tell me? I go, oh, you know, totally slipped my mind. Totally came together last minute. Like, I got to move. I can't pay next month's rent. He goes, hey, you know, that's not the way it works. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm moving to Jersey at AA Red Sox. And he was a huge Red Sox fan, the landlord. He was like, no way. That's awesome. Are you serious? No way. And he was so happy. He's like, don't even worry about the rent. I was like, yeah, trust me. I wasn't. I think this, this apartment was going to be empty in an hour. I was going to be gone. So uh, it's not the best advice. It's not the smartest way to go about it. But there is some benefit to being completely single-minded if this is what you absolutely need to do. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You, you're going to be real honest with yourself at some point. You know it's the degree. You know what's your interest. But do you really want it that bad? Because back to the thing I'd said minutes ago before I kept rambling was I talked to somebody about the front office thing again, and he looked at me and was like, hey, it doesn't really seem like you want it as much as you think you do. And I was like, what? He's like, well, have you gone to this camp? Have you, have you gone and networked here? Do you go to Portsmouth? Do you make sure you show up to this? Are you constantly you know, bugging these guys, staying after it? How come you're not going to more summer leagues? I was like, well, I'm doing a lot of the media stuff. And he's like, you know how hard these front office jobs are to get. They're even harder to get. And you don't even play. So for you to get a job in the front office and you don't know anyone and you didn't play and you have no relationships in the basketball world and you think you're just going to do some hits on Comcast breaking down the Celtics and all of a sudden somebody's going to offer you a fucking front office job. <laughs> are you? Why don't you drug test yourself now, tonight? And then I was kind of like, well, well, so as driven as I was on the media thing, the guy was right. And it stung. It really stung because it was like, it's clear that you're making some of the inroads with media. You're starting to make a little bit of money again. Even at that point, I wasn't. But the guy was basically saying to me, hey, you think you want it. You think that's what you want more than the media, but you're not really doing the things that you did to get where you're at in the media side of it. So in in conclusion, do you actually want this? Because I think a lot of you guys send in emails. Oh, I want to do this. I want to work in sports. I want to work in that. all these different things. You wanting to and actually saying, I don't care about anything except the thing I want. Um, and that's where I think the single-minded focus is actually a benefit as opposed to some people thinking that you're just too wrapped up in your own deal. All right. There you go. Life advice. That one, uh, I think back-to-back, -back, not great. Probably the worst. Not great, Bob. Kyle? I was I was fine with that. I mean, that guy sounds like me uh, at 22. You're too nice. You're too nice to me. It took me two years to figure it out. I don't know. I'm sure I doubt you're afraid of me. You're I'm nicer to Bill. I'm not as nice to you as I have to Bill. So, I mean, it's not like I'm completely pandering. No, I don't think you're pandering unless it's just kick-ass content. And you would you listen to this show if you didn't know me? If I knew of you but didn't know you, yes. <laughs> I don't even know what that answer means. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, everybody have a great weekend. Bill and I will be doing uh, one more depending. I guess it could be two more because we don't know what the off-season schedule is going to be here anyway. And then around the draft, uh, which I need to pick it up on myself. But yeah, that's the plan. Please subscribe, rate, and review Ryan Russo Podcast, part of the Bringer Podcast Network.